I really got a sense that sort of being brave and being bold in terms of making bold moves and decisions has sort of been a, a bit of a theme to your career and journey. I wonder if you could elaborate on that a, a little bit for us. Yes, very happy to. And I'll give a, a, a kind of very specific example. But before that, I, I suppose I should probably say something about why I feel I can do that without the kind of risk that comes with that. And very early in my career, I trained as a secondary school mathematics teacher. And the reason this is important is that there is a national shortage of mathematics teachers. You know, almost in every area of the country, almost every school is looking for maths teachers. What that means is that I always have in the back of my mind, if I make a really bold decision and I lose my job and I've got to get income really quickly, I could go and find a job as a maths teacher the next day. Um, So whether that's made me too brave or too bold, I don't know. But that's probably what started me off on thinking, actually, I can afford to take a bit more of a risk here than than perhaps I might might ordinarily do. I guess the point is you've never never had to go back to being a maths teacher, right? No, not yet. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I do like maths, but uh, I'd, I'd like to, to hope that if I did go back, it wouldn't be in those kinds of circumstances. <laughs> but uh, when, when we spoke, we talked about um, the move I made when I moved from uh, running a teacher training department uh, at a large university to a national charity, which was called NASEN, which was the National Association for Special Educational Needs. And if I say a little bit about why I moved, first of all, because I think it's, it, it, it's relevant, because I was running a, a large university department in a large university. It was a great job, but it was kind of safe. If I did a really good job, I was uh, congratulated and told, do an even better job next year. And if I did a really bad job, uh, then you kind of get the slap on the wrist and you kind of get told, well, don't do that again. You know, So there was no real risk, if you like, but equally no real reward. And I find that quite frustrating as a leader. I kind of almost wanted to live or die by the decisions that I made. So I ended up moving from there to this national charity. And this national charity, although it was a national charity, it was relatively small. It had eight members of staff. And in fact, they were struggling at the time. Um, Their membership numbers had been declining over a number of years. They had around 3,500 members at this point. And they were also struggling financially um, to kind of, uh, you know, maintain a surplus that they could reinvest and and grow as an organization. So uh, they'd, uh, they'd had a chief exec for a long time. The predecessor to, to myself had only been there a relatively short time. Uh, and so that I think they decided that they needed to do something different. Um, but what they decided that they needed to do was to cut the costs. That was the different thing. Uh, and because it was a special educational needs charity, they decided we need somebody who's a special educational needs expert. And I certainly was not one of those. So I went for the, for the job interview with the chief exec of this organization. It was me with all of these special educational needs experts. And when I went into the interview room, one of the questions that I was asked was, Adam, what on earth makes you think you have any credibility at all applying for this role, bearing in mind you don't know anything about special educational needs? And I said, well, the first thing that gives me confidence is the fact that you've shortlisted me for the role. Why did you shortlist me for the role? And there was a kind of look around the room, you know. (laughs) But essentially, my pitch to them was this you've got access to bucket loads of, of of special educational needs experts. You know, you've got a whole membership full of them. You've got some of them working for the organization. You've got some on the board. You've got lots of them that you can draw on. But actually, to turn an organization around is, it, is a different skill set. You need somebody who understands education. I can bring that. And 
what I'm saying to you is that the way to do that is not to cut the costs. So we had quite a big debate, uh, you know, between myself and the board about what was the, the, the right way to do this. But ultimately, the board did back me. They did appoint me. And um, what we essentially did was invest the reserves because, in my view, this is what reserves are for. You know, they're there for the rainy day when you really get stuck. This is when you invest your reserves. And my argument was this. If we actually end up investing the reserves and it doesn't work, we've at least gone out really spending all the money we had meeting the charitable objects that we've got. And we've gone out Mm. in a blaze of glory doing the right thing, you know, not just kind of buying an extra couple of years and a slow death, if you like. But equally, if it goes well, it could be the beginning of a new, better, bigger organization. And happily for me and for everybody else, it was it was the second of the two. And over that five years, just to put it into some context here, we went from, if you like, eight members of staff to you know, 40-odd members of staff. We went from a membership of 3,500 to more than 35,000. We completely changed the revenue model for the organization to avoid this type of situation happening again and we diversified it so that we actually made the membership which is the main source of revenue when i started free and we had other revenue sources government international development business development products and services and so on so we were much more resilient as an organization and we could service far more of those members who, who who wanted to access that service. So it was a, a bold and a brave risk. It, it, it could have been career suicide, I suppose, if it had gone wrong. But I think morally it was the right thing to do. Uh, and I think looking back, uh, I don't think really there was any other decision that could have been made. 